0: Welcome to the Bend, Not Break podcast, where we explore the health conditions that ADHDers and Autistic people can experience when doctors don't understand. I'm your host, Tracy Rodriguez. I'm a corrective exercise specialist and a former CEO of a staff of physical therapists, occupational therapists, nutritionists, trauma coaches, and ergonomists, all of whom specialize in hypermobility, POTS, and MCAS. I'm here to bring all that we found with my staff into an accessible format where you can learn, become empowered, and get the steps to be able to heal your symptoms. So sit back, relax, and let's get it started. Welcome back. Today we have somebody very special to introduce to you. I'm very excited to have Kimberly with us. If you know about Kimberly, her content on TikTok is very similar to mine. She talks about root level issues of autism, hypermobility, POTS, and watching her content is almost like a mirror, but she's talking about things that I talk about on a different level. She's brilliant. She definitely has a brain for these issues, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast today so that we can talk about root level solutions to help autistic and people with ADHD feel better. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is my first time, so.
0: Awesome. I'm so excited to have you. So I want to start out with just hearing a little bit about what got you started in this topic matter, because I know this is a very personal topic to you, and I know that it's an issue near and dear to your heart. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So I personally have ADHD and autism, and my daughter was diagnosed with uh, nonverbal autism when she was around five. She had a late diagnosis because of everything shut down. So my daughter, she was diagnosed with nonverbal autism, and I was at a loss on how to help her. I was out of my depth, and I was already going to school for an education degree in elementary education, and I immediately switched to a special education degree when she was delayed in speech. Wow. And I pretty much took straight to the academic journal database and consumed all the information I could on how to help her. And as time went on, it became very clear that we were looking at a lifelong possibility of her not being able to use mouth words. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I... Saw her frustration levels that came with that. I know how frustrated I am when I lose my voice like I just did with laryngitis. And I wanted to help her at least obtain some kind of communication skills. I learned that uh, she had facial hypotonia. And Mm -hmm. so I started working with her on that, which I know feeds into yours with all of your muscle work that you do, which is amazing and helpful. I love seeing all that. And it took me to down the rabbit hole on research on TikTok when I released the information about my daughter. And here we are on the BH4 pathway. So definitely a personal journey that I'm very excited about. I just released my book on how I went from my daughter to the facial hypotonia, fetal hyperglycemia, and bottom up all the way to the chart that we now have.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And you know, I also, I have EDS, POTS, MCAS, ADHD, autism. My son is also autistic. So it's also incredible how just in both of our situations and stories, so much that can be so hard has equaled so much that can help so many other people, including your daughter, including my son. And I think that's a really beautiful thing.
1: It really is.
0: Oh, Okay. Well, I geek out on your content. I truly do. I know a lot of people do, a lot of people. And you and I both share an autistic brain, right? Which I think is a really special gift. And I've seen you talk about this. When you have autism and when this is a special interest for you, you become an expert in a way that nobody else is an expert. I mean, you delve into thousands and thousands of hours of research that no general practitioner would do. And one of the things that I love about watching your content is I feel like I'm watching new information in some ways that's never been shared before, right? Some of it, I think a lot of us in the field who have really delved into this, we know. But some of it, I am just blown away sometimes. I'm like, well, there it is. There it is. So can you tell us a little bit about how the BH4 pathway interconnects with ADHD, POTS, EDS, MCAS, with all of the things. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes. When I first looked at all of the research, I saw it was just a complete disorganized mess. There's such a gap in the learning between or in the knowledge between research and clinical. So my goal was to help us neurodivergence bridge that gap so that we can advocate for those comorbidities and symptom relief. Yeah. So through the bottom-up process, I went through figuring out the hypotonia aspect, what causes that, the fetal hypoglycemia, and it took me to tyrosine hydroxylase, which linked me to BH4 uh, because it is a necessary ingredient in creating those aromatic amino acids. So in the context of autism, the active B vitamins are needed to create those neurotransmitters within the BH4 pathway. So dysregulation due to low MTHFR, DHFR, PNPO can impede the breakdown of vitamins from their inactive form to the active form. There's a mm-hmm. big misconception right now that breaking down those uh, vitamins means breaking them down and getting them out of your system instead of breaking them down into building blocks that we need yeah. to create these bodily processes. And those are impaired in neurodivergence. We have a hard time with those enzymes. They're mutated, oftentimes like the MTHFR gene mutation. And that is going to impair our cortico-striatal-thalamic loop, which regulates our movement, our habit formation, our reward, all of things with executive function. It can create repetitive behaviors, involuntary movements. That's where we see a lot of those comorbidities.
0: Let me just get this straight. Are you telling me that the BH4 pathway could be at the root of neurodivergence, like completely at the root. Yes. And at the root of EDS, POTS, and MCAS.
1: Yep. When I was looking through all the research, I was like, why do we have so many comorbidities, all of us? I think it was 80% have a mental health or ADHD, 80% with an autoimmune. And how can that happen without a simultaneous root cause. So I thought at least in some people, this is having a root cause, which means after we find the root cause, we can isolate each branch and figure out, okay, if you just have this one, then this is malfunctioning. If you just have this one, then this one. But if all of them at the same time are, then we're at the root cause in the middle, which is our BH4.
0: Right. So there is that study that I've talked about, you know, I've talked about because we both kind of shared content over this issue by Tulane University stating that they're could be such a thing. It's theorizing that there is such a thing as folate-deficient hypermobility, folate-deficiency hypermobility. And so what you're saying is that that is true, but that folate and MTHFR are not the root root, but that the BH4 pathway is at the root of that issue. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's an even more interesting fact. Okay. So one thing that I learned through all of my research is that folate is heavily intertwined with BH4. Okay. Down to the same structure. So we need folate for the synthesis, which is the creation and the recycling, which means the um, reusing of BH4 that's already in our system. So if the folate is impaired and we need that in its active form, so if we don't have that enzyme to break it down and activate it so we can use the BH4, we will have a deficiency in the BH4. That's so
0: interesting. That's so interesting. So what's the chicken or the egg? Is it BH4 or is it or is it folate?
1: Folate. It's folate. folate it's one of the factors. And that's one of the things that I realized through the research is they couldn't figure it out because more than one thing can cause low BH4. So they were never going to see 100% of people have this exact mutation. It could mm-hmm. be within genetics and the enzymes that are responsible for creating BH4 other than folate. It could be in uh, DHFR, which recycles the BH4. There are so many things that can cause, and oxidative stress, which is where there's free radicals that are attacking your system faster than you can fight it off. And if that's high, BH4 turns back into BH2, and then you have a low BH4, which can happen from environmental causes.
0: This is so fascinating because I did a poll. I've, I've done several polls with my own followers. Do you have MTHFR? really just trying to do my own research study here. You know, obviously nothing official, nothing (laughs) nothing truly scientific, really just out of my, you know, trying to satisfy my own curiosity. And I would say about 95% of my followers who responded had MTHFR. Others had COMT and others just plain old said, no, I don't have MTHFR. They didn't give me any further information. So what's really fascinating here is you are giving a deeper root issue that could be dysregulated for more reasons than just MTHFR. MTHFR is obviously the genetic variant that can be so heavily connected to all of these conditions, but you're giving other reasons along with that and possibly alternative reasons why BH4 pathway could be dysregulated. Is that correct?
1: Yes, when I looked through the research, I it took me a while to find and settle on BH4 because I was looking for what can cause mental health and Mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And that's when I settled on this because the only thing that we all have in common is BH4 pathway dysregulation. Mm -hmm. For some reason, there's we all have the nitric oxide malfunctioning for the autoimmune conditions, and we have the either an ADHD comorbidity. Or a mental health comorbidity with the dopamine and serotonin malfunctioning. Wow.
0: So, and you did, you did make a list earlier of the reasons why you see BH4 pathway getting dysregulated. Can you list those out one more time and, and just, you know, clearly succinct them for our followers and for our listeners?
1: Yes. So why I saw the BH4 pathway malfunctioning, the second I saw it, I saw autoimmune. ADHD and mental health, because it's needed to create nitric oxide, which controls our vascular function and cell signaling and serotonin, which is involved in our circadian rhythm. That's where your brain tells your body time to do X, Y, Z, like time to sleep, time to eat all of the things. And then there's dopamine, which is heavily linked to ADHD. And actually dopamine creates our catecholamines, which are our fight or flight hormones. So those are often dysregulated too, which is why BPD and bipolar are often comorbidities.
0: I think about you all the time. Is that weird? I think about you all the time when I'm having a fight or flight response.
1: Because <laughs> all- I help so many people. I actually, just saw one of um so one of my mutuals had a vagus nerve stimulator to activate the parasympathetic nervous system which will deactivate those fight or flight hormones. And it was working. And I love seeing everyone come up with innovative ways to help themselves and bridge that gap with them and their doctors so that they can find actual methods that work for them.
0: That is the key, isn't it? It's that we know what's going on so that we can form a pathway, no pun intended, so that we can form steps in order to stabilize our symptoms. And you can't do that if you don't understand what's going on. And so that's the huge gap here is that everybody in the medical industry is treating ADHD, autism, EDS, POTS, MCAS as separate conditions, but also as surface level issues and really seeking out surface level solutions. And this is not surface level. This is complicated, which is why we autistic people are over here (laughs) Getting so excited about it is because we like the puzzle and it's very complex. So, I really love that you are helping people become aware of it. And I like, I I read your mission statement and you were saying your mission is to make this accessible for neurodivergent people to understand these complex issues in a simple way so they can know what they can do to heal. That's really important. That's a huge mission, Kimberly.
1: I just got a Doodle subscription and I'm super excited about it so I can break it down in a way that works for neurodivergence. Because one of my things as a special education teacher is teaching people how they best learn. And that can be either hands-on kinesthetically or it can be visually or through hearing. There's so many different varied learning styles. So I'm hoping to target each one. And I have my charts now in elementary, middle, high school, and college level so that it meets people where they're at.
0: Wow. That's huge. You've put so much work into this. That's really appreciated. I know how much work goes into it. Because
1: <laughs> A lot of my free time on this, but it is so important. And there's such a lack of information and help out there for us. And if I have the brain to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, my brain is your brain kind of thing. I know.
0: I know exactly what you mean. You you have a mission. You are on fire for your mission to bring justice and education and help into an industry where that's not accessible or available practically anywhere. You know, it's really, really tough out there. And we have a lot of ADHDers and a lot of autistic people dealing with physiological health symptoms and not even able to get a diagnosis. They may even very well know what's going on. And really work hard and seek out practitioners to be able to get a diagnosis, and they can't even get that. So for you to be putting your heart out there and your brain out there, giving people tools, giving people the education that's not available, that's an earth-breaking thing. Like, that's a life-changing thing, what you're doing.
1: Yeah, my daughter, when she was diagnosed, they gave me a folder this thick, full of community resources, and none of it was to aid symptom relief at all. They basically said, we have no idea why um, autistics can be nonverbal. Best of luck. And she was so frustrated she would bang her head into a wall and crack it because she could not speak. And I can't imagine living my life not saying a single word. And then if they don't have access to communication from their um, guardians, then they just never speak and never communicate. And I joined a Facebook group for AAC users for adults because I instantly went, okay, who has actually lived through this experience mm-hmm. and who can teach me how to help my child? And they immediately were like instant access to communication was my first step. And then I was like, okay, I got to figure out why she can't communicate so that I can help her frustration levels.
0: Mm-hmm. It was my
1: main goal was getting that frustration down if I could help her and I did. I found out about the facial hypotonia, and now I've extended that to, I believe, six different causes of possible nonverbality. It was internal catecholamine dysregulation, fight or flight hormones, which can cause selective mutism, tongue ties, which I'm sure you get into with the EDS. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, and facial hypotonia. There were a few others on my website, but yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely dove in deep. That was my my starting point, and now we have a whole graph.
0: Fascinating. So tongue ties can be connected to being nonverbal?
1: Yes, it can actually impact uh, the ability to speak and latch early on in life. Oh my goodness. You know, I love talking tongue ties, right? You know that. No, I didn't. And I love that because I just got into the science on um, cell signaling and how that can impact, like where your brain tells your body time to do X, Y, Z, like time to grow that or time to shut off that skin from growing. And I think that uh-huh. might play a role. So that's my latest rabbit hole.
0: Please keep me in the loop. I guess I just need to follow you for that rabbit hole. Are you are you going to be sharing that on TikTok?
1: Um, I just started, so I will be posting it in a doodly as soon as I get that all done. Okay. Oh. <gasps>
0: okay this is a huge passion of mine. A hu- Tongue ties are my thing. I've had so many people actually tell me that they got their tongue tie released and actually got it diagnosed in the first place because of being in session or because of the content that I create, because it's just so heavily connected to these conditions. I myself have a posterior tongue tie. It was not diagnosed until three years ago. My son had a posterior tongue tie, which it took five different practitioners to be able to diagnose because it was posterior and they are not trained in that, which isn't that so fun that like any comorbidity that we deal with is something that most practitioners are not trained in,
1: <laughs> which is bizarre. It's to be a field of science because it really should be. And I, I am not the first person. I just found out that there are other scientists who have also come to the BH4 pathway, but they see it as one role, not the center of it. And- they have so much more information than I do on a different segue of things than I do, like in fetal development, and the neurotransmitter end. And if we could combine all of our collective knowledge on this and create a textbook and a field of science, we could really help all of these comorbidities in practice.
0: Absolutely, that's brilliant. I think that that's something we should advocate for. That this is a field of science. This is something that you have to specialize in specifically and. There's so much to it that we still have to learn. I find that out from even talking to you. There's so much that we still have yet to learn, even when we've spent, you know, our our livelihoods invested in this research. It goes deep. It goes really deep. And something really fun. I'm actually getting my tongue tie released next week. And I'm gonna be taking people along in that process. So I don't know if you deal with the tongue tie, but uh, if you're interested, we could go down that rabbit hole together too, because it's it's a very fun, a very fun path. We'll get right back to your episode in just a moment. I have a question for you. How many appointments have you been to within the last two years where a practitioner understood all of the health issues that you're going through and gave you real steps of what you can do about it that made a difference? If that number is low, and if you've been paying co-pays and driving in the car, hurting your back, hurting your neck just to get to those appointments, there's something very wrong. And I'm very passionate about getting you the tools to be able to heal your symptoms and become empowered in your health so that you can finally feel good in your body, probably for the first time in a long time. That's why I designed the HEAL program. It's accessible, it's affordable. You can click on a button and come to sessions with me twice a week. We have pain relief sessions, POTS and MCAS coaching sessions. We have master classes to make you the expert in your health. We also have meditations designed for chronic pain to help you regulate your nervous system, ergonomic tutorials so that you can drive, sleep, work without having to deal with so much pain, and video programs that you can follow along with for pain points throughout your entire body in ways that are specialized for you as somebody who's autistic or ADHD dealing with hypermobility. You don't need to have a diagnosis to come and everybody is welcome. The best part is you as my listener get 10% off. So just click the link below, healwithtracy.com and enter in the coupon code podcast for your 10% off before this runs out. I'm excited for you and I'm here to support you. You have hope. I'll see you soon. Now let's get back to the episode. So, okay, let's dig in to solutions. Let's dig into the most helpful supplements that somebody with autism, ADHD, POTS, hypermobility disorder, MCAS, what would you say are the most helpful supplements that a person can take to help stabilize symptoms across the board?
1: Mm, I would say the most helpful across the board, if we're talking just like the root BH4, would be the folinic acid and the um, 5-MTHF, the methylated folate. Mm-hmm. Um, that will help with the root cause if it, there is an MTHFR and or a DHFR mutation.
0: Because you said folate is really one of the huge puzzle pieces of a dysregulated BH4 pathway.
1: Yes, that is absolutely correct. They are so intertwined down to the same structure, which is super, I don't know if I want to use the word rare, but that's important. It's important. Um, Yeah, so if we're talking autism, ADHD, we're looking at folate. If we're talking about going down each of those, how I said, they, each root can malfunction independently of the BH4, then we have... For example, if we're talking just hypermobility, collagen will help with that. Vitamin C helps aid collagen synthesis, which is going to support those joints, as I'm sure you know. Um, Zinc for tissue repair, wound healing, magnesium, aids in the muscle function, calcium. It would be good with supporting joints. And coenzyme Q10, I'm huge on. I love it. I take it myself. It supports cellular energy, and it will help with uh, NOS uncoupling from, so if BH4 is low, NOS uncouples, sorry, I know it's a lot of science terminology, but just follow the pattern. And then we get oxidative stress, which is what I was talking about before, where your free radicals are attacking your system faster than you can fight it off. And the COQ10 will help stop that process of the oxidative stress, which will help lift your NOS levels and your nitric oxide levels.
0: Absolutely. And that's been shown to help with collagen synthesis, with POTS. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of talking about CoQ10 as well.
1: Awesome. I love hearing that. I, it's amazing stuff. And then there's copper, which is a cofactor for enzymes. So cofactors is like necessary ingredients, like trying to make a recipe without baking soda. Um, you need that there. So copper and then the active B vitamins. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. supplementing for POTS would be focusing on the nitric oxide pathway, optimizing the NOS and the what's called superoxide dismutase. That's going to break down the superoxide, that free radical that causes the oxidative stress, the fighting to your system. And so for that, we would support that pathway through L-arginine and citrulline, zinc, copper, magnesium, NAC, and exercise. I have POTS myself. Mm -hmm. And I exercise when I start seeing symptoms flare up because it gets my heart rate up, which gets my blood flowing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Super helpful.
0: Okay. So you've just listed off. I mean, I absolutely agree with your list, by the way. Well, before Kimberly and I got on this interview, I said in a very fun way, we may disagree on some things. (laughs) And he said, but I think that if we do disagree on some things, it only aids to the conversation. It only improves understanding across the board for both of us. Uh, so I think it's a very fun thing. But I don't know if I necessarily disagree on anything, but I would say I see some issues with some of our people being able to take some of those supplements because of their inability to metabolize histamine, because of mast cell dysregulation, which you know I talk a lot about, the histamine issue is so, so prevalent here. And so if somebody tries to take, say B vitamins right out the gate, they can experience anxiety, they can experience depression, they can experience increase of symptoms because those B vitamins are high in histamine. And so it's such a catch 22, take copper for instance, we have high comorbidity of copper sensitivity and allergic reactions to copper across the board with people with these conditions. So it's really hard for some of our people to be thinking to themselves, I tried methylfolate, I tried phyllinic acid, I tried taking copper, I tried doing some of these things, and I reacted really poorly to them, which honestly, B1 through B12, all of it, you know, B1, B2 helps so much with B12 metabolism, like all of it is so, so, so important. But what would you say to somebody who's having reactions to trying to take some of those supplements?
1: I would say look into the folate trap because there is, if you have low B12, your folate can be stuck in the 5-MTHF form Or 5-MTF, 5-TMF sorry. So the methylated folate form. And it can't be broken back down into THF, which is where your research comes into my rabbit hole because then they would need to supplement with the folinic acid, that's the THF, Mm -hmm. so that they can um, help with that gap. They wouldn't need the methylated folate then. They would need the MTHFF or 5-MTHF, but they would also need to fix that vitamin B12 deficiency so that that Mm -hmm. trap stops happening. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a multi-layered malfunction happening. I actually have a picture on my website of the histamine cycles um, or of the homocysteine cycles. Mm, yeah. And which parts will malfunction and how you need to plug that gap so the rest of it doesn't malfunction. Because if there's a problem activating certain vitamins, then you're going to have that where there's extra copper sitting over here because it can't be used in this recipe. So you're going to find yourself sensitive to it. So all of that, that's why I call my map, the biomechanical or biochemical biomechanical map because they all impact each other. And if there's not enough of one thing, it will cause too much over here because of the recipes not being created.
0: I need to take a better look at your map. Honestly, at first I was like, because I, different learning styles. I don't learn from looking at something like that. Typically I would learn from kinesthetic learning, like having a conversation like this, that's my learning style. But now hearing you say that, I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to do it. I have to delve into this because that, is so fascinating. And I'll also say a lot of my clients do really well when they focus on at least some surface level mast cell stabilization before entering into B vitamin supplementation, because that can really minimize a lot of that uh, histamine response and kind of those undesirable side effects. So I think order of operations can be helpful. I think really slow and incremental titration can also be helpful. I know for me, I had to stay at like 200 MCG for a while and then like build up really nice and slow. So there are definitely ways along with what you're talking about with both folinic and methylfolate, folinic acid and methylfolate, there are definitely ways to be able to stabilize the response as you build those things in. And I think it's fascinating how you touched on the copper sensitivity being a part of this, a part of the biomechanics of everything. It's just so fascinating because I think a lot of people can really relate to that, but nobody's ever told them why. And that's the problem. Nobody's ever told them why.
1: Yeah, my neurodivergent brain was not okay with not knowing why. I instantly, I looked at all the research and I was like, I can't understand it until I get a big Wide picture of what's happening. So I started, like, even when I do jigsaw puzzles, I have to do the border first and then fill it all in. Yeah. Bottom thinking uh, it's real. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is for me, too.
0: And I feel like over the next few years, we're just going to be able to learn more and more and more and bring more into the picture. Sometimes I feel like I have the puzzle, you know, I, you work with cause me personally. I am a big on pattern recognition, right? And I've worked with thousands of people with these conditions now, which is really, uh, really fun because I get to see the patterns over and over and over again and then bring logic and bring logic and bring logic. But then we have these conversations and then I take a look at your research or I take a look at some of the other research available and it's like, whoa, it's deeper? It's still deeper? It's still deeper? And I think that that's just gonna continue as we are able to spread awareness and hopefully create a field of science for these issues.
1: That would be absolutely amazing. I think it would help so many people. Me too. Wow, okay.
0: So we have gone over probably the most helpful supplementation that people can do. And as we all know, this is not medical advice. We are giving education so that people can bring this to their doctors. And get their doctors go ahead and bring their doctors into the conversation to get medical advice concerning this. I think that a lot of doctors, they don't want to learn. Sometimes there's an ego involved, if that's the case, and it's accessible for somebody to get a new doctor. (laughs) As we know, we've talked about the Ehlers-Danlos Society Practitioner Database. It's not perfect, but people can search and see if there's a doctor in their area or in their state who can do a virtual appointment. But we do want you to be able to bring this to your doctor and spread awareness so that the medical industry can start supporting their patients in the way that their patients need. But we definitely are not here saying you should take this or giving you a prescription for any of these supplements. We've talked about supplements that can be so incredibly helpful for these conditions. Is there anything else, Kimberly, that you want people to know about these conditions, about steps they can take to heal? Is there anything else that you want people to know?
1: That we are our best advocates and there is so much research out there. And there is a wide ray of knowledge that you can give to your doctors to help yourself. Absolutely. There's so much value in that.
0: Absolutely. That's something I talk with my clients about all the time. Becoming the expert in your own health so that you are no longer relying on practitioners who don't understand these conditions to tell you about them. But sometimes you're teaching the practitioners about them (laughs) and you're advocating for yourself to be able to get the necessary treatment. Absolutely. Awesome. So you just came out with a book I'm very excited about this book. Can you tell us the name of this book and where people can buy it?
1: So this is Discovering Autism and the Comorbidities Along the BH4 Pathway by Kimberly Kittsrow on Amazon. I have it on Kindle. I have it on paperback and book now, and I'm very excited about it. It's all about my journey, how I helped my daughter, how life was like, what it was like coming out with all this on TikTok, how I felt the pattern beyond all logic and reason in the beginning and eventually came to BH4 at the center as the common denominator and everything. I'm so excited to read this.
0: Okay. So if you're listening to this, if you're fascinated, if you're wanting to learn more, you can check out her book available on Amazon. And then I'll also be linking her website and her social media usernames down below. So you can check those out as well. It's incredible the amount of resources she's put out there for free in addition to her book. So I'll link all of that below so you can check it out, including her book. Just look below. You'll be able to find it. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been a life altering conversation probably for many people. And as people are listening in on this, If you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you're listening, please feel free to comment your questions. Be a part of the conversation. And Kimberly, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And to all of you listening, as we always say, this week, we may bend, but we will not break. You are doing a good job. You are safe. Remind your nervous system that. And there are steps you can take to heal. Until next time. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.